Welcome to the Third Down Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. And uh, today's episode, I am going to be speaking with Chris Level of Red Raider Sports. And we're going to talk a little bit about Texas Tech, NFL Draft. And I'm going to ask him about that day in Kansas City when they were getting ready for the Texas Tech-Texas basketball game. And they were all pulled off the court and just everything that's gone on with what they're doing now and how everything has changed so without further ado let's get into my interview with chris all right now i want to welcome chris level from red raider sports to the show you can also hear him as a co-host of tech talk on 97.3 in lubbock as well as sideline reporter and color commentary on basketball for tech hey chris it's been a while since uh, we actually had a chat huh yeah, it's been a minute, certainly, but uh, we are in uh, crazy times, so we're all, uh, you know, re catching up with everybody. So uh, it's good to visit with you. Yeah, man. Um, so I wanted to ask you just because you know we hadn't really talked in a while. What was it like on that that Thursday morning? You're getting ready for the Texas Tech and Texas basketball game, and and everybody's getting pulled off the court. How how crazy of a scene was that in that moment there in Kansas City? Yeah, that that uh, that that's when I guess all of this really hit home for me. Um, you know, we were obviously we got to Kansas City uh, as a team on Tuesday, I guess it was Tuesday afternoon, and we we first you know kind of started getting some inkling that this was getting pretty serious um, and affecting sports, anyways. But that midday on Thursday, and there was some conversation about. You know what? What are they going to do with the tournament? Um, you know, and 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 Kirby Hocutt, the athletic director, he was on the trip, and and nobody really had any answers. And 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 so at some point Wednesday afternoon, you know, they they make the decision. We're we're playing the two games on Wednesday night with fans, but after that, th- th- there'll be no fans in the stands. And Coach Beard had actually had had planned on taking his kids over there uh, to the game. You know, maybe even seeing parts of both games that were going. I think it was, oh, TCU and Kansas State was one game, and I'm trying to remember the other one. Was um, Iowa but, State? Uh, yeah, and Oklahoma State, I think, was yeah. the other one. Yeah. And and so he uh, he wanted them to get over there and see the environment and just kind of get a feel for it because he's got a lot of freshmen on the team. Well, you know, it's funny because you were going to take them over there and check out the environment with a, a pretty much a packed sprint center, and then uh, you were going to end up playing that game, the first game of the next day, with with essentially 500 people in the stands. Yeah, and and he kind of he kind of viewed it as unique, and he was like, nobody's going to watch more sports than they are right now, guys. And so you don't play for fans in the stands; you play for each other. You play for your love of the sport. I mean, he was kind of like trying to embrace that that aspect of it. So we're sitting there and, uh, you know, he took the team over there and, you know, I, I, me and some other guys were back at the hotel and we're watching NBA stuff and I'm watching the Mavericks and the Nuggets and I'm, I'm watching this all play out with Rudy Gobert online. And yep. then I watched the, the Mark Cuban look at his phone during that one game at uh, the American Airlines Center in Dallas. And, you know, that's whenever it was like the league has been suspended indefinitely. And obviously we haven't had sports since. But we woke, we woke up that Thursday morning just kind of wondering, Okay, how's this going to go? And I think there was there was plenty of people that felt like we weren't actually going to play this game. But we, we get over there to the arena, and um, it's just kind of eerie because it's just empty. And they they had let the you know I think each school was allowed 250 people 
mm-hmm. um, you know, is like for friends and fr- fr- family and friends and all that stuff. And I think it was 250 per school. I'm not sure that may be too high, but anyway, I, I saw Avery Benson's dad. I saw some other, you know, parents of the players and, and they were in there and they put 60 minutes on the clock at about 1030 that morning. And the guys run out there and they start warming up. And that went on for about 22 or 23 minutes. And that at that point, you know, everybody's world changed. But somebody walked out uh, on the court with a walkie-talkie and, you know, basically instructed all the players, get off the court and go back to your locker room. And, and at that point, I, I thought, okay, here, here we go. And next thing I know, we, we, I mean, we, we're, we're doing, we're on the air doing pregame radio. And um, we don't really get told anything official but I see some of the players coming out in street clothes and at that point then I check my phone and get a text message and it's like hey get on the wrap it up get on the bus as quickly as you can we're, we're going back to Lubbock and so that that was kind of my short version of mm-hmm. of what happened but very surreal and I, I don't think we were like at ground zero but when you were in these arenas you, you felt like you were you were part of the front end of every, everything kind of shutting down and uh it was just strange. I didn't know what to feel. And I didn't, at the time when we're going back, you don't know if there's going to be an NCAA tournament. You don't know, you know, it's Chris Clark and, and TJ Holyfield, if they played their last game, there's lots of questions. You're just very confused and you're just yeah. starting to check the news and trying to figure it out. But I don't mean to be long winded there, but that's kind of, that's kind of what my Thursday looked like. And we were back in Lubbock by about four o'clock that afternoon. Yeah. I was, um, you know, now, I mean, things have changed since, you know, I left Red Raider sports and, you know, I'm covering the Longhorns now for USA Today, and, you know, I'm getting ready to do the game, and then that's, you know, I was getting text messages saying, hey, they're they're pulling them off the court, and I was like, what? Like, what, are, you know, what's, you know, it was, it was a lot of, I don't know what's happening next, so, you know, that was kind of a, kind of a scary and surreal moment. So, since then, um, NCAA has kind of put this limitation on recruiting, and I, I kind of want to dive into it on the, on the tech side of things. How how has that impacted what Matt Wells is doing out there? Yeah, I just uh, he he lives about uh, two blocks away from me, and I'm doing my show from home these days. And so about a week ago, he came over and he did about an hour with us on on the radio, and that was really one of the main things we talked to him about. And it, it it's actually changed quite a bit since then on how they were operating in the timetable because you know about a week week and a half ago it was. Hey, you know the 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 dead period is going to be at a certain date, but uh, you know since then it's the NCAA has come in and said, okay, May the I think it's May the thirtieth, basically the end of May, you know the dead period. And like Wells and his staff, they were they had about ten to twelve visits for grad transfers set up. He's got plenty of scholarships available. He was trying to get like you know uh, fourth and fifth year guys on campus to be a part of this year's team. They had all those visits set up, and and you know the the part of the conversation that we had was that he's that they're having to recruit differently now. It's all it's all FaceTime, it's all virtual, it's all like what everybody's adjusting to right now. And mm-hmm. you're, you're basically going to have to try to talk some some of these kids into coming sight unseen. But that's but but they're not different than than anybody any other school in the country trying to right. recruit right now. I Man, I know Coach Beard's trying to do the same thing. So. It was about trying to update a lot of the material on TexasTech.com, you know, uh, showing facilities and just trying to be creative uh, with with things. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a free-for-all whenever they do open up the dead period because you're going to have this rush to get your team on campus and get them, you know, going as quickly as you can with whatever it is. And whether that's 
June 1, July 1, August 1, September 1. We just don't know what we're dealing with here. But from a recruiting standpoint, whenever they do open that up, it's going to be a mad dash to get guys on campus or get out and get in front of people. Um, and, and so that's it, – it's tricky. Um, but these guys are all having to get creative, and you just adjust and adapt because you're not alone in going through it. Yeah. So what what do you think of uh, this last season? When, when you look at everything as a whole, what – what do you think about the job that Matt Wells did with that team? Um, I know it was a disappointing season, but um, as a whole, what do you think he did as in his first year as head coach? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's tricky. Anytime any program starts, you know, in year one, it's always tricky because you're, mm. you're trying to change how you do things. I think, too, the, the, their main setback was, you know, how, how many teams in the country – would be wildly successful without their starting quarterback for mm-hmm. 80% of the, of the games. And, you know, and, and I think uh, when, when Alan Bowman went down that, that was, and he, he hadn't looked, you know, particularly great up until that point, but I do think he was clearly the best option in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, to be the quarterback. And I think you saw the offense get better and better as the season would go along from a skill player standpoint and, and with what they wanted to do. And I think Alan would have certainly benefited from, from that, but that, that, that part was tricky they certainly got dinged up. They, they didn't have much depth at, at certain spots, um, you know, and, and they were, I, I think that the, the storyline though, is that they lost five games by like what a touchdown or less. So they, yeah. they were extremely competitive. They just couldn't figure out how to win those close ones. And the one that they should have won that, you know, they kind of got a tough break was the, the game in Waco. I mean, they had yeah. Baylor essentially beat and, if not for a strange, um, you know, call or no call or however you want to term it, that was a misapplication of the rules. Yeah. Uh, that that's a game you probably win, and I think your season, you know, is differently from then on. But when you when you lose that, it's a total gut punch. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think Baylor took that, you know, and, and ran with it. Whereas it really affected, I think, the Red Raiders. But these kids played hard for Matt. Um, it, it's not, you know, you don't get the wins that you wanted. I mean, the results weren't, were not there. Nobody's okay with that or would suggest that, that it's okay. But, um, it was year one and now, now you're in year two. And, you know, one of the things I talked to him about is luckily you're not in year one right now and having essentially no off season, you know, and I know you cover the the Cowboys a lot and like, think about Mike McCarthy. They're, they're not going to have a lot of what you need in year one to kind of, adjust and install and 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 get to know and and just all of that and like so that's what Dave Aranda and Baylor or Mike Leach at at Mississippi State I mean all these guys that have just taken over these programs and so he was just thankful that he at least had a year under his belt to under so so his players could get to know who we are what we want what we're about culture all those kinds of things because these programs that have a good solid culture are going to be the ones that come out of this and hit the ground running yeah yeah, and you're right about that when you when you talk about Mike McCarthy and and how they're doing it. I mean, they're operating obviously like colleges are at this point with FaceTime interviews, and you know it's really going to affect, I think, how the NFL draft goes. Just for the simple fact that you know they're not yeah. having these you know in person visits and and they're not having the medical rechecks that they do off the NFL Combine. I mean, it's really going to change the way that they do things. I kind of want to talk to the NFL draft for a minute. Um. How excited are you for Jordan Brooks to get his shot at the NFL level? 
Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm set to um, – he's going to be on my show on Thursday. I talked to his agent, Eric Burkhart, who's a tech grad. And, you know, Eric, obviously, longtime agent. He reps Cliff and Danny Amendola and a, b- a bunch of former tech guys. But he's obviously – he's repping, I think, Terrence Steele and, and Jordan Brooks. But that was one of the things I talked to Coach Wells about, uh, about the draft. I was like, does this help? I had my opinion of it, but I was just curious what his thoughts were. You know, does this help or hurt a guy like Jordan? And and his thought was, and I, I, I concur, is that for a guy like Jordan, whose senior tape is really, really good, not having the, the pro day, not having the, you know, some of the other things, the individual workouts probably doesn't hurt him as much as, as others when you have some guys that aren't maybe, they don't have as good a tape out there and they need to impress with a 40 time or, or whatever it may be at a pro day or, you know, whatever. But I, I just, I think the thing about Jordan is he's a prime example of a guy that got better every year that he was here. Mm-hmm. And what separates him from a lot uh, of, of guys that are, that are transitioning is he can just flat out run. I mean, he yep. can just run. And I would visit with coach Wells multiple times on a weekly basis uh, during the season for part of my job. And, he would just talk about his stock is rising. It's rising. It's right. I mean, every week uh, with what he was doing and, and folks could just watch, he plays well in space because he can run. And so I think you're looking at, I don't know if it's second round, you know, but I think third or fourth round is absolutely realistic. And I think anything past the fourth round, everybody associated in his camp would be very disappointed, but you, you just don't know how this is going to go, but I, I, he, he's absolutely got a place in the NFL because if he, he can just flat out run. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. He's a top 50 player for me. I would be shocked if he goes in the latter part of the third round. I just think w- when you look at everything that he can do, um, you know, like you said, he can run, uh, you know, his tackles for loss were through the roof. I mean, he gets behind the line of scrimmage, he makes plays and you, there's definitely a spot in the NFL for a team that needs a linebacker who can make plays for you. Yeah, no, and you can never have enough guys on your team that can just that can just run, whether it's special teams or on defense. I mean, the way everything everybody spreads it out. I mean, that that's what you know. He he's a prototype for kind of new age defensively and in, in, in linebacker. But it is shot because I think some of the receivers on on uh, Tech's campus, you know, would 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 kind of talk about like, man, you you think you have a little room, and then it's it's like there's old JB showing up. I mean, they they would have uh, funny conversations about that. Uh, with the offensive skill guys on campus just because, you know, you, you, you think you have by, by play design or you think you have some space and then in practice Jordan would just, you know, suck you up and, and he, he'd, he'd be right on you and make the tackle. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. And then, you know, I think I think Steele, Terrence Steele uh, is an offensive lineman, the swing tackle, you know, something. He's a, he's a very good athlete. I think he's got a chance to be picked. And I think Broderick Washington is also the other – you know, not a great guy against the pass, but but very good against the run. Um, and I just think he's a high quality character guy. And I think those those guys will have a chance to to hear their name called as well. But I, I'm just looking forward to the draft because that's the one thing that hasn't been canceled. And as as weird as it may be for all these teams, and I don't know how it's going to be, mm. you know, relayed to us. You know, I, I saw this morning that the ESPN and the NFL Network were talking about a collaborative telecast instead of two separate ones but i'm just glad that we'll get that because uh we certainly need it in these crazy times yeah you know broderick is a guy that i really like and you know covering the cowboys he's a guy that i'd really like to have in dallas just for what he can do like you said against the run being that interior guy 
Um, you know, I like Terrence too. So I think those are the three that I hear most often and that I agree with as far as draftable players. So I'm going to, you know, kick back over to the football side and, and Texas Tech football real quick. And I wanted to ask you, is is Alan Bowman going to be the starting quarterback when we get football again? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I think uh, probably especially more so now than, than I would have said before, just because you can't, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience, but but he's he's very, uh, you know, aware of uh, of the scheme offensively, what they want. You know, I think that, that Coach Wells and Coach and Allen have been talking quite a bit, uh, and Coach Yost, you know, d- during some of these awkward times. And Maverick MacGyver is really the only other option at the time uh, when they were going through spring, but he's going to miss all of those reps and. You know, Maverick uh, out of San Angelo, you know, he missed the bulk of his senior year and then missed most of his freshman year because of an injury. You know, he he would have probably been in line to be the starting quarterback last year uh, when Allen went down had he been healthy because I think he was ahead of Jet uh, back in August. That's something else that nobody talks about uh, near enough. But, you know, about 10 days into fall camp last year, you know, a non-contact injury, he just broke his foot. And so he missed most of last year, but he, he was healthy in December, I guess. And so he, he had kind of started uh, spring with not much restriction. They were just trying to be smart with him. Right. But it was just those two guys that were going to get every rep, essentially, until uh, signee Donovan Smith uh, was on campus, uh, which would have been, you know, this this June. Now, we'll see if uh, – that's the other thing I'm, I'm intrigued by. Depending on the timetable, do all these signees everywhere, do they get to – you know, I mean, if if there's no if, – if online school, you know, is the way we're going to go this summer, I mean, these signees aren't going to be here until it's time to go, you know. And that's that's also uh, going to put some guys way behind if you're really going to be heavily reliant on your freshman class. Uh, and, and I know some schools, you know, depending on how the roster was built, more so than others. But, uh, you know, th- th- those guys won't have an opportunity to go through a, an off season or strength and conditioning or whatever and – much less learning everything, which I'm, I'm guessing they're trying to do some of that virtually right now. But that's also kind of one of these sidebars that I think probably people hadn't thought about a lot yet. Yeah, you know, that is something that I, you know, I didn't think about that either, um, you know, right off the top. But you're right about that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a school like Tech who you really will be relying on their young talents, you know, as they try to rebuild that program, you know, in the vision of Matt Wells. Uh, but, you know, talking about somebody a little older, uh, how important do you think it was for TJ Vasher to come back for next season? Yeah, well, he needed to. He he needed to grow up, and that that's that's another aspect of what I talked to Coach Wells about last week. Is like, okay, so you have because TJ one of the storylines early on in the spring because they had four practices, and one of the things that people had noticed about TJ because people hadn't seen him in December, January, and February until they got going in early March was he'd added about sixteen pounds. Mm-hmm. And so I think much needed weight and he'd finally grown up and understand, understood the part of it about, okay, I've got to, I've got to put calories in. It's a discipline. It's not, it's not just, you know, eat, it, it's, it's, it's like taking your medicine. I mean, you've got to eat four or five meals a day and some snacks in between if I want to make it to the next level. And TJ was running out of time to try to impress for the next level. And so you, you take a guy out of the program and, send him home is he still doing all of those things that he needs to do to to maintain that weight is it the right way you know I mean it's just stuff like that that you know everybody's dealing with their own issues but that's what that was one of the storylines here early on in the spring was TJ one coming back but two 
he was really trying to to he'd finally maybe gotten it um and, and grown up a little bit because you know again he's running out of time you know and, and and i think there were several nfl folks that had come through the program scout wise that had said hey love the love the measurables uh, but he's got to weigh more. He's got to be stronger. He's got to be able to get off the line of scrimmage, get off of press coverage, and and I think he was starting to to take heed of that. But uh, it's just one of those things where I don't know when they'll resume, and I don't know what he'll look like at that point. Did he maintain, uh, you know, or, or whatever? But he he's a good kid. He just maturity has always been an issue with TJ, and I think that um, you know the the ball skills, the the route running. I mean, some of that it, it, that that comes naturally. Uh, his ability to, to, you know, make a play on a 50-50 ball, all that kind of stuff. But it's just discipline off of the field and, like, in the weight room and with nutrition and all that, that that he desperately needs, but he's not getting that right now. Yeah. All right, so, Chris, uh, before I let you go, give me one name for an underrated player who you think is going to stand out next season. I don't think much of the Big 12 Conference knows about him just yet. I, I, I The Tech fan base does. I think Sir Roderick Thompson has got a chance to be really, really good. In fact, be one of the better running backs in the conference. Um, he was a freshman last year, extremely durable. He finished the season as the only scholarship running back. You know, you were talking about Texas earlier. I know they had their issues with, with running back and running back depth and all that. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. Tech was no different. Um, and then Tayshawn Henry transferred out of the program. So Sir Roderick, until signee Taj Brooks comes in, He's the only scholarship running back you've got. And I think that Coach Wells is looking at a grad transfer at that spot. But I think Sir Roderick, I mean, he, he can catch it. He, he's good in between the tackles. Um, he's good in the red zone, you know, and, and extremely durable. And, and they were playing – I remember being on the sideline last year several times when they – I mean, it, hard to believe, but they played faster, you know, under Wells than they were under Cliff. That's just kind of their mentality. That, that That's how fast they wanted to go where they're not going to sub – and there were several times early on last season where Sirodra could look over to the sideline and say, take me out, take me out, I'm, I'm winded. And Wells would say, push through, stick with it. And on several of those drives, he ended up being the one that scored the touchdown. And and I think he, he kind of got pushed back or pushed harder than what he thought he could do. But I think he's a guy that a lot of this team is going to focus on, especially without having a lot of this offseason. It's just handed it to a guy like that. I think, he, you know, he's – the 215, 220 pound range, or he was, and I think uh, I think he's got a chance to be one of the better players in the conference, not not just for the Red Raiders. Yeah, yeah, Sirajic is a guy that that I really like, and I mean, I know I'm covering Texas, but uh, as everybody who knows me, I'm diehard, you know, Red Raider, bleeding red and black. So he's a guy that that I really like, and I you know really hope that he can step up, you know, when we get football again. Chris, I appreciate you hopping on, man. Uh, appreciate everything you're doing. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. You uh, call me anytime, man. I'm happy to help. All right. We'll talk soon.